You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob, and today it's really my privilege to talk with you about prayer. And as I talk about prayer today, I really don't want to preach as much as I want to teach, and I don't want to teach as much as I want to guide. And my goal is, my hope is, that when you leave this place, you have a sense of the importance of prayer in your life, and that you leave here with a specific ask that you dare to make before God. Because the truth is that oftentimes we, uh, we aim at nothing in prayer and we hit it every time. And so I like to think of prayer as uh, aiming at a bullseye. And you now need to pray for me. <laughs> um, and there's no one around, so uh, I think we're safe here. But as you throw at, at a dartboard, you, you might miss it completely. I sure hope I make one. All right. (laughs) That was bad. But in prayer, in prayer, I think what hesitates us, that keeps us from wanting to pray or being discouraged in prayer, is that we're afraid we won't get it right. Or we're afraid to be specific. Or we're afraid that we're going to miss the dartboard Altogether, and sometimes we do. But we can trust God to take whatever prayer, whatever feeble prayer, whatever reluctant prayer, whatever confused prayer that we are making and bring clarity to that prayer if we're willing to pray it. And so I want to ask you today not to be turned off by the religiosity of the word prayer. And think of it as an honest-to-goodness attempt at making making your request known to God. In the Scripture, Jesus prayed often. In the baptism, when he's being baptized in the Jordan River, do you recall what, what he's doing? Before the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him, Jesus is praying. And I don't know what he's praying about, but my sense is that Jesus is praying that the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit came and landed on him and stayed with him. When Jesus was choosing the 12 apostles, his key leaders that he was building around him, He spent the night praying all night long. So he prayed for wisdom. Sometimes Jesus, when he felt the pressure of people coming at him, he would get away and pray. And then last night that he was on the face of this earth, he spent an hour in agonizing prayer to the Father. 
So Jesus gives us the example of the importance of prayer, his reliance on prayer, and what God was able to do in his prayer life. Maybe you can identify with these differentiations, but sometimes when I pray, I speak to God, but I notice some people seem to be able to pray and God speaks to them. I don't know what to say or ask for sometimes, but some people seem to always do know what to ask for. My prayers are weak and small, but theirs seem to be powerful and bold. So often in my life, I get along just fine without praying, so I think. But they pray as if it's the air they breathe. I pray because I'm supposed to. They pray because they want to. I usually can't finish, wait to finish my prayers. But they can't wait to start. So what I want to do today is look at some scripture with you, the teachings of Jesus, about shamelessly, persistently praying. So let's look at the words that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Luke, the 11th chapter. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John, his disciples, taught them. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Let's leave these words up there just for a moment. So Jesus, in his foundational teaching on prayer, is saying these are the type of things that we are to pray for. These are the type of things that we should keep before us as we pray. That we should pray in a foundational way that our life would be lived so that God's name would be holy. I... uh, Spent some days recently with an old acquaintance of mine. I hadn't been around him for like 40 years. And I, I noticed in his conversation many times, he was just Jesus Christing this and Jesus Christing that. And I was really troubled by that. I was hurt by that because it made me stop and wonder about my friend. When did you fall? Out of relationship with Jesus. And keeping God's name holy is a lot more than just refraining from cursing. But it's having a relationship with God in which we really truly know God in a personal way. And, and we want that name to be lifted up. And we pray in that name and we lift up that name. And that the kingdom is something that's imminent and close by. And our daily bread is something that we rely on, that we live in this daily sense of trust. We can really rely on God with today's bread, not worrying about tomorrow's. And, and to me, the most, one of the most important things about keeping your life intimate and close with God is to walk in a condition of forgiveness, just to continue to live in that state of forgiveness. 
I love what C.S. Lewis said when he wrote, To be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. To be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So it's when I know that I've been forgiven and I am free unconditionally, it's out of that love and that care that I'm able to really, truly live in an attitude and a spirit of forgiveness toward other people, even toward those things that are inexcusable. And to, to live in the awareness that I don't want to fall into temptation. I don't, I'm, I'm aware of the pitfalls of temptation all around me. And so I have this watchful, careful attitude about prayer. Now, this is foundational. These are the type of things that Jesus says he wants his followers to pray about, to be aware of on a daily basis. But he doesn't leave it at that. But Jesus continues in the teaching as he wants us to know something about building this life of persistent, shameless, specific prayer. So let's, let's read on in the scripture. So then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. And I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. And my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, that though he won't do it for his friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if, you, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Jesus tells this story right out of the slice of everyday life. In a Galilean village, there would be open courtyards. And in the courtyard, there would be certain people that day that would be allowed to cook the bread. And in those days, it was the women who cooked the bread. And so you have a friend that unannounced comes to you and wants to be a guest at your house at midnight. And in the, in the Galilean culture, it was unthinkable not to be hospitable to a guest. And so when your guest arrives at midnight, you have no bread to give them. You have nothing to put before them. 
And so what do you do? Ah, you remember. You remember that this woman at such and such a house was baking bread in the courtyard that day. And you go and you knock on the door. And the man of the house answers, who's there? And you explain the situation to him. And you say, I need bread. And he says, go away. So in the Galilean village, in the Galilean house, there were small homes, one or two rooms at best. And the whole family would sleep together on the floor. And so the man says, go away. I don't want to wake up the children. But because of your shameless persistence, because of your refusal to leave, he's willing to get up and give you the bread. Not because he cares about you, (laughs) because he wants you to go away. And he gives you what you need. Jesus is saying to us that God is so much more than the friend who gets up at midnight because of your shameless persistence. That God is the one that wants us to make our needs known to him. And that there is the audacity, there is the boldness, there is the daring that is required of us to pray in this way. Dick Eastman is a a Christian author and he's a writer. And what he does is interesting. He he measures outcomes in prayer. So it's kind of like a science. He does studies on prayer. He does studies on people who specifically ask for things of God. And he tells about the story when his daughter, Dina, was three years of age. They were living in California at the time, a place where it seldom ever rained. But that night, there was a terrible thunderstorm that hit. And Dina was crying out to her parents. She was scared to death of the storm. And finally, uh, refusing to be comforted, the the mother, Eastman's wife, said, why don't you just pray? And that little girl got up out of bed. She walked up to her bedroom window, and she said, Jesus, stop the storm. And immediately, it's like it was a giant umbrella over the house. The storm stopped. It stopped storming. It stopped raining. And the little girl said, that a good boy, Jesus. (laughs) You ever pray that way? We adults know better, don't we? We adults especially who've been disappointed. I've been disappointed sometimes when I pray that way. And yet what Jesus is pressing upon us is the importance of persistence, the importance of daring, the importance of pursuing God, especially when we recognize that we don't have bread. 
We don't have the resources. We don't have what it takes to give our loved ones or friends or strangers what they need. That God is the source. And I found that the best two type of prayers are children and those who are in desperate situations. Because if you're in a desperate situation, you are willing to pray like a child. As I was working on this message, my wife Susan, uh, just unbelievably providentially, she says, Bob, you've you got to hear this story. This story of a brave woman that just came out on KY3. I want to watch, invite you to watch this broadcast, this newscast of a woman who knew how to pray. It happened before daybreak near Theodosia yesterday. Mom, baby, and their friend waited for help for hours suffering from hypothermia. Katie Brousseau spoke with her and the responders who call her a hero. Kept praying, kept praying until someone came along. Hours freezing on the shore after being swept away by flood water. I swam out and opened the back door and I felt and got the baby. Casey Shelton then swam her six-month-old about 75 feet to safety. And I prayed for God to give me the strength to get to the shore. I couldn't see the baby and stuff, but I knew he was struggling to breathe. She did everything she could to keep him warm. Trying to keep him alive. She and her friend, who was on the other bank, yelled for help. Desperate efforts that you can now hear in her weak voice. I ended up having to give him mouth to mouth because he was trying to die on me. In fact, when rescuers arrived, it wasn't looking good for baby Chasten. I thought, oh my God, she's holding a dead baby. <laughs> Of course, that uh, kind of takes you back a bit. Responders with area departments treated him for hypothermia. I just used skin-to-skin -skin contact, and then we bundled him up some more. As more help came to take them to so, a Springfield uh, hospital. Two helicopters landed there, and then one landed over there on that side. With Mama by his side, Chasten is doing better than doctors expected. He has made so much progress. A relief not only to his family. Last night I sat at my mom's table, and I just cried about it. And then she called me like two hours later to tell me that the newscast had said he was okay. And for that, these folks are crediting a mother's strength. Had she not done that, the baby would have drowned for sure. As she only asks for one thing for her baby boy. I would just like everybody to pray for my son. Reporting in Ozark County. I'd like to see him laugh again. I'm Katie Brousseau. So five times in that two-minute newscast, this mother mentioned the word prayer five times. And she asked the people who watched that broadcast to pray that her son would laugh again. So let's pray, church. God, I want to thank you that right out of the slice of life, everyday life, this woman knew to call on you for help. And I want to thank you for rescuing that baby through the courage of a mother. I want to thank you for keeping Chasten alive, remarkably, for five hours, suffering from hypothermia. I want to thank you for the medical team and the fire rescuers and everyone who has a part 
in that child's life. I want to thank you for sending people. And we pray that Chasten would truly laugh again. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Praying is praying specifically. It's praying boldly in such a way that you know when the prayers are answered and you know when there may be a delay. But you're willing to shamelessly and persistently pray, trusting that God will perfect those prayers, that will filter those prayers, that will change those prayers if God needs to. But be willing to pray as a child and to be willing to pray as Jesus taught, to ask, to seek, and to knock. Right now, in my life, I am praying desperately and intensely for two people that I love a lot who's really in a dire situation. And I'm praying on their behalf. And I'm praying specifically for certain things to happen because I think God wants me to pray this way. And God has guided me in that prayer. You know, sometimes in our prayer life, we've got to pray for our own stuff. And maybe that's your situation this morning. Maybe there's uh, something that definitely is keeping you up at night. You wake up with this. it's, It's something you continue to worry about. Have you specifically and boldly articulated that need to God? And if you have... Are you continuously praying that way until you're directed otherwise? And if you do not have that kind of a burden going on right now, who do you know? What does God want to lay in your heart to ask and seek and knock on heaven's door that God would move? Now, Jesus says very clearly, That we, sinful parents, we know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more does our Heavenly Father want to give us? Matthew says good gifts. Luke says give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Do you ask for the Holy Spirit? I think Jesus in the Jordan River was praying for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came. Do you ask for the Holy Spirit? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is? Do you, do you know of such a thing as the Holy Spirit? But God's presence and power in your life. Do you ask for that Spirit often? Because it's the Spirit that draws us to God. It's the Spirit that prays, groans, and words. It's the, it's the Spirit. That's the power and presence of God in our life. If you know of nothing else to pray for specifically, pray for the Holy Spirit to be manifest in your life. So what I want to invite you to do this morning is to think specifically about a request 
that's hard. It may be hard to believe. But something that you would put down in writing, you could write this right now on your bulletin under message notes. You could articulate a specific, daring, boldest prayer you've ever prayed in your life. And you could write that out. And I invite you to start doing that anytime you want to and anytime you're ready. But I'm asking you to be a person, wherever you are and whoever you are in your faith, take that next step in that reality that God is just a conversation away. And don't do what I often do with my phone on a Sunday morning when I forget to turn it off. It's in my hip pocket, and I don't know why it is, but I butt dial my brother. <laughs> and he says, Bob, you, you did it again. <laughs> I think sometimes in our praying, this is not to put you down. I think God is just hearing gibberish from us. Just a butt dial. We don't really mean it. We're not specific. We're not daring. We're too general. We aim at nothing. And we hit it every time. I want to invite you to write a prayer. And as you write a prayer, I invite you to do what KJ's doing uh, and others as in a moment as we go into a time of worship to bring your prayer request, your prayers, and place them on the prayer wall. Or you may want to keep them, and you may want to pray. And here's other ways in which you can grow in your prayer life. You can engage in prayer and fasting every Wednesday. On, on Wednesdays at noon, we ask people to stop and to pray wherever they are and whatever they're doing. And secondly, you can come to the class that I'm teaching on uncommon faith practices that tonight and Wednesday night, I'm, I'm teaching about being guided and directed in prayer. And also I want to encourage you to, to notice specific answers to prayer in your life. Write them down. I'm amazed when I look at my life and I journal about it, how, how faithful and good God is in answering and responding to my prayers. But right now, as the, the band comes up and prepares to come up, I want to I invite us again to be writing a specific, bold, daring prayer to God. And as we're doing this, um, I also want to invite anyone that has had a prayer outcome, has had a recent time in which you specifically asked God for something, that was bold and daring. And you got a response, and you want to share that witness with us. I'm going to just stand here as we're in this spirit of prayer, and you're writing that prayer that, that you want to daringly ask God for. And i got to be honest, I'm not seeing people write, so I can't make you do it. Anybody want to share a witness with us of an outcome you've had in prayer?
Recently, this last year, my uh, my whole family has been broken for the last 20 years. Um, my siblings, my um, my dad, everybody just hated each other to the point where they wouldn't speak. God called me to faith uh, about 14 years ago, and when He did, the day He did, my whole family disowned me. They wanted nothing to do with me, and so I was ostracized, and nobody was speaking to each other. And slowly over the, the next couple years, I started to gain relationships with this one and that one and this one. And this last year, um, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer and still nobody would speak to each other. Um, siblings wouldn't speak to dad, dad wouldn't speak to anybody. And <clears throat> I don't know how to explain it, but I was, I was really desperate and just saying, God, you've got to fix this. You can't let him die in this state. You can't let him die with all of this brokenness and hatred and unforgiveness in, in my family. You've got to help. You've got to fix this. Please reconcile my family. And he did. And now all of the siblings are talking again. We are all in communication with each other, and it is a miracle. And now I'm praying, God, save them. Bring them to yourself. That's my prayer today. Almighty God, save my family. Bring them to faith, Almighty God. That was my prayer this last year, and I thought it was impossible. I thought it was literally impossible. It would never happen. And, but I obviously didn't think it was so impossible. He couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. But he did that in, in my family this last year. After 20 years of brokenness, when my mom died, the whole family blew up. And left, and left and stopped speaking. And so that was 20 years of brokenness he fixed literally in one week. And so I just praise God for that. Thank you. You're still waiting for that, those, for family to come to faith? Salvation. Salvation. So uh, we're going to pray that this God would, would move, you would move in a mighty way. Thank you for responding for this one salvation. And we pray now that this whole family, this whole household would come to faith in Jesus' name. And we pray this would happen in a, such a way that it's not just individual and individual, but it's a whole group, households within the household, of this family. Thank you, God, for brokenness. Thank you for shameless, persistent prayers. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit.